All right, we promised on this program last July that if possible, we would speak with Rita Malouf. As you may recall, Rita was in Lebanon at the time of the Israeli attack, and an article about her reports via email from Lebanon appeared in the Sacramento News and Review as part of an, in essence, internet interview with R.V. Scheid. She's now returned stateside, is in Davis, where she is attending school as a Regent Scholar, and we're very pleased to have her finally join us on the program. Welcome, Rita Malouf. Thank you. Rita, tell us how it is you came to be in Lebanon at the time of the Israeli attack. I was visiting my parents over the summer, and uh, I was supposed to stay there for a month, and two weeks after I arrived, things started happening, and I got stuck there for two and a half months. And uh, you were finally evacuated out, or did you just finally just find your way out? When I came back, it was when they opened the airport. They did have evacuations towards uh, the middle of the war, but I decided not to leave because my parents were there. So, you know, I mean, I can, I can, if I leave, I'm surviving, but I leave my parents to die. So I decided to stay with them, you know, if I can help out. Um, people that we know and people that we're friends with died. And we should note that your your dad is Lebanese, your mom's American, you have extended family throughout the country. Correct, correct. And and you yourself were, were raised in Lebanon. Correct. I was raised um, in Lebanon for around 20 years, and then um, four years ago I came here. Now how has you managed to get uh, some of your reports, your dispatches, as it were, into the hands of a reporter? Well, I was in a shock uh, state. Um, seeing everything I was seeing and um, not being able to do anything about it. So um, the first thing I did one night, you know, I was just crying and did not know what to do. It sounds kind of uh, funny, but at the time I really didn't know what to do. And I decided to write an email to my friends, you know. It was more like a letter not knowing what's going to happen the next day. And I sent out some pictures with it, and uh, I told everybody, you know, what what I was doing there and, you know, what I'm scared of. And I sent it to all my friends, and I told them to send it to everybody they knew. And I guess a teacher of mine sent it to a reporter, and that's how we con- he contacted me. I, at first he thought it was one of those uh, spam mails where, you know, he, he thought it was a junk mail, but yeah. he soon knew that it wasn't. Well, Rita, in looking, I have your article in front of me. You should point out to listeners this is still available online on the July 27th edition of the Sacramento News and Review. Includes a picture taken by Sarah Hunter of uh, that shows, well, what the effects of the, the aftermath of the attack with some, some oil fires, an oil tank burning in, in Beirut. You saw quite a bit of that, I guess. Yes, uh, actually, I live 10 minutes away if you want to drive to where things were happening. We could see all the bombs that were hitting Beirut. I couldn't see the south, but Beirut was enough for me to realize there's something wrong happening. Um, We could also see the airport when it was being hit. Um, Actually, my house would shake um, every time a bomb would fall. That's how strong these bombs were. Uh, Looking at your article, I... um was really surprised to note, Rita, that you pointed out that the invasion took place just right after those soldiers had been uh, been kidnapped. Obviously, this was an operation that took a lot of preparation, 
And some people have claimed that, well, that the the kidnapping of those uh, those soldiers was was an excuse to to launch this war, which is planned. And ov- and obviously that had to be the case. I I'm not going to claim anything, but I would say it was pretty weird the way things happened. Um, when we knew about it, it was around nine in the morning, and around noon we started hearing bombs uh, hitting Lebanon. So it was pretty quick for you know, a war to start, a war that's going to last over a month, um, for it to be decided on, you know, in two hours, two, three hours, something was fishy. And um, a lot of people believe that this was a prepared war. Now, if you ask um, intelligence or whatever in Lebanon, they, you know, they, they say that they have proof that this war has been prepared ahead of time. And some of the proof is they had a lot of people helping them, you know, in Lebanon. Um, a lot of foreign workers were helping out. Some were actually Lebanese, but the most of them weren't. Uh, they were putting signals on buildings. They were putting, um, if I'm not mistaken, like uh, phosphorus um, signals on buildings. So during the night, um, they would uh, air attack these buildings. They'd probably light up under the under the lasers or something yes. like that. Yes. Yeah. And. Um, these were noticed, you know, a few weeks later. A lot of people were caught doing that um, on, on, on buildings, on specific areas uh, in, the, in the country. Um, so we were mostly scared at night because that's where most of the attacks would come in, in our region. Um, we didn't really get a lot of sleep from that, but, you know, I guess we survived, so we were lucky. As you come here and see the coverage of what uh, what is said about what happened in Lebanon and what you experienced, what strikes you the most about being what's inaccurate? Well, the way they kind of relate the story, you know, first of all, Lebanon is really far from here, so I would understand how um, how the story can change coming, you know, to the American news. But I realized that it's it's um, holding back a lot on information uh, that will help people understand what's going on. Um, you know, we're calling this group uh, terrorist group, and we're relating it to different terrorist uh, organizations in the world, and and that's pretty scary because in in my country, the majority of people never saw that group as a terrorist group. And, You're talking about Hezbollah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't think I can claim too much about it, but I haven't seen anything that's terrorist about it. It was actually a very respected group in Lebanon, very organized. This is why a lot of people think it's scary, very organized and very honest in, in many ways. Now, you know, this, is, this can only be seen, also be seen as radicalism, but people respect that group in Lebanon. There are a, a minority that doesn't. So most of the time, the media here, um, whenever they quote someone, they're quoting the minority, which is, um, my opinion, it's, it's, a, it's a rich um, rich minority that really um, doesn't mind the few things that are going wrong in Lebanon because their economical state is still, is still fine during and, and, and without war. When they hear the story, uh, here, they're not hearing how many people are dying in Lebanon. They're not hearing how many civilians of those people dying in Lebanon. They don't hear how many cities are being completely destroyed. Um, I'm not talking about hitting this building or hitting that building. I'm right. talking about a whole village being destroyed to the ground. They're not hearing about the different um, 
different bombs being used. There are some um, debates about if they're legal or illegal, but some of them are really clear that, you know, <clears throat> are illegal or illegally used. Uh, I'm going to give examples like cluster bombs. They're, you know, every time someone brings up the issue of cluster bombs, they say, oh, it's not an illegal bomb, but it's illegal in civilian areas. Um, Rita, Rita, we should explain We should explain about what cluster bombs are. Okay, cluster bombs are, um, I would say, a big bomb. You throw it, and when it, you know, it, it breaks and it throws out little bombs in it. And um, each bomb um, sits on the ground and, uh, well, it's supposed to explode while falling or when it hits the ground, but the majority of these bombs don't actually explode when they hit the ground. They, in essence, then become booby traps all over, the, all over wherever they fall. Correct, and when someone approaches it or touches it or, or makes it shake or walk next to it, it will explode and throw out little metal pieces that will, uh, you know, perform uh, a human body. So these, these bombs, they're not made for, you know, destroying buildings. They're actually made for humans. The last 72 hours of the war, you know, after the Lebanese government agreed on following the, the, the decision, they threw uh, so many of these bombs. I don't really have numbers, but it's in, in, in the millions. And, um, oh, my God. Uh, and, and these were thrown around houses, um, in gardens, on the streets, um, in, um, in the fields, you know, agricultural fields. So this is crippling, you know, the whole life. And in the south, mostly, they, they did throw some of them around, uh, you know, Beirut. This is why you know, not a lot of reporters went in some areas. But um, to get rid of those bombs takes a lot of work, and it's really hard. And some of the army um, people that are trying to, you know, work with these bombs, try to uh, and destroy them, they, some of them died doing that. And uh, a lot of children are dying from those because they don't really know what they are, and they look like toys. So they don't all look the same. They made it to trick people. You know, you can't just know how it looks and avoid it because each one is different. So uh, you think you know how they look like, but then you discover, you know, in an accident that, oh, there's a different kind too. Wow, I did not know that. Some of them look like lighter. Some of them look like toys. Wow. Another bomb would be the suction bomb. And this bomb, I didn't even know it existed until this summer. It sucks all the air out of a building and it crumbles to the ground. First of all, people will all go to the lower ground, or underground, or the lower uh, floors. And unfortunately, that wasn't very smart, you know, because they didn't know these bombs were being used. So uh -huh. the attacks would hit the first floor or second floor, and the whole building will crumble. Um, first of all, these bombs were strengthened bombs. We knew that a couple of months after. But these bombs are strengthened with uranium and they suck the air out of the building and everything alive in it will die too. So no one survived from these buildings. These wow. buildings were in areas where not everybody had evacuated and some areas where they didn't have the option of evacuating. A third type of bomb was, was used. Uh, it was the white phosphorus bomb. Now this bomb, it's not illegal, but the way they were using it but, you know, it was a violation of the Geneva Convention. You know, it was not supposed to be used in a civilian area. Uh, this bomb was proven to be, to, 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 to be used in Lebanon this war. Just the bomb that, that's like napalm hard to extinguish? Yeah, so when, 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 when it hits the air, it'll burst in flames. So 
these are bombs that are being used. I want to emphasize on the idea of civilians. These, you know, these are civilians that are dying. I'm, I'm not really defending either party, but I'm saying where, you know, these are civilians being bombed. And, you know, if that's the case on the other side, you know, in Israel, I'm, I'm against it. You know, I'm also against it. I'm against civilian people dying in Israel, too. Civilians did not agree on fighting. They did not agree on, you know, they were put into this. And most of them are children. Well, Rita, we, we want very much, uh, maybe after the, after the first of the year, to have you come back and give us an update on what is going on over there. But, but in closing today, could you tell us what you think people who are listening and want to do something about this could do in the way of uh, some humanitarian aid? There are many sites where you can donate money for these people, but I'm one of the few that insist on money is not the solution. I don't think people should be donating money at this point, although there, there is a need for financial help. But what I emphasize on is knowing what's going on and not accepting you know, something that would hurt civilians. The media here is showing things that would kind of alienate the American society from what's going on there. What's going on there is really um, not okay. Uh, people should relate to it. These are people like myself. These are educated people. These are people that just want to live normal lives. Uh, what they need right now is people here not to support the war. We want people here to cr criticize what they hear in the news. I, I, I push people to read the news from different sources, listen to news from different sources, and, and not depend on one source. Listening to the news and trying to figure out the truth. Well, Rita, we certainly want to give you the chance to do that uh, again in the future. We have, uh, we're in complete sync with you on this. We recommend it on this show. People do need to go to various media sources to try and get the real picture of what's going on all over the world. And certainly in the case of what's going on in the Middle East, I would offer my opinion that uh, the mainstream media in this country is extremely biased toward a pro-Israeli view of events over there. So I would encourage them to go to perhaps some of the European news sources, which are more balanced, in my opinion, in their coverage. Rita Malouf, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, good luck with finals, and we'll talk to you again in 2007. All right, thank you very much. I look forward to that. All righty, and good luck in finals. Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> Everybody, pray for me. <laughs> Before we leave this topic, we'd like to note uh, an article from the Sacramento Bee last Sunday. Lebanon facing new crisis. Talks on Hezbollah role fail. Reported the New York Times, Lebanon was thrown into a political crisis Saturday when talks broke down over giving the militant faction Hezbollah and its political allies greater control of the government. Noted the Times, Lebanon's political stability and the success or failure of the current government is not just consequential for this country of four million. It is part of a broader contest between the United States, which backs the government coalition, and Iran and Syria, which support Hezbollah. Of course, I hate to see it framed that way. Uh, U.S. group versus Iran and Syria group. I think there's more to Hezbollah than that, and we will return to this topic, uh, as we say, in the future. In a related story at the United Nations, the U.S. 
vetoed a U.N. Security Council draft resolution that sought to condemn an Israeli military offensive in the Gaza Strip and demand Israeli troops pull out of the territory. U.S. Ambassador John Bolton said the Arab-backed draft resolution was biased against Israel and politically motivated. The U.N. Security Council was considering action after an Israeli artillery barrage in the northern Gaza town of Beit Hanun killed 19 people the previous Wednesday. And on the flip side of the U.S. going to bat for Israel in the U.N., we have the following. Dateline Havana. A record 183 countries of the United Nations voted to condemn the U.S. embargo against communist-led Cuba with one country abstaining and only three others joining the U.S. to endorse the tough economic sanctions. This marked the 15th straight year that the United Nations General Assembly had rejected the embargo and urged Washington to lift it. The George W. Bush administration claims the embargo is a private matter with Havana and not the domain of the United Nations. We would note, not coincidentally, that the Miami anti-Castro-Cuban community is very prominent in Republican politics down in the state of Florida. But this record 183 countries topped the 182 countries that condemned the embargo last year. If you're keeping score, Micronesia abstained, whereas the Marshall Islands, Palau, and Israel voted with the United States. Last year, they were joined by Montenegro, which this year switched sides and voted with the majority. You know, we are judged sometimes by the company we keep. We would like to note the United States' posse in this consisted again of Israel, the Marshall Islands, and Palau. And if you look at a map, and we hope you will, you will note that Micronesia, the Marshall Islands, and Palau are all in the same broad neighborhood in the North Pacific Ocean and are pretty much extremely influenced by the United States presence in that area. Anyway, let's take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. Radio Parallax.